Hello and welcome to the Ambassador Labs podcast, where we explore all things about cloud-native platforms, developer control planes, and developer experience. I'm your host, Daniel Brandt, Head of DevRel here at Ambassador Labs, and today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Crystal Hershorn, Director of Engineering, Infrastructure, SRE, and Developer Experience at Sneak. Join us for a fantastic discussion covering topics such as building socio-technical systems, playing the long game with platform engineering, and the importance of culture, education, and experimentation when creating platforms. And remember, if you want to dive deeper into the motivations for and the benefits of a cloud-native developer control plane, or are new to Kubernetes and want to learn more in our free Kubernetes Learning Center, please visit getambassador.io to learn more. So welcome, Crystal. Many thanks for joining us today. Could you briefly introduce yourself and share a little about your background, please? Sure. Thanks for having me. So I'm Crystal Hirshhorn. I'm currently Director of Engineering for the Infrastructure Group at Sneak. I look after three teams there currently, so Cloud Platforms, SRE and developer experience. Um, previous to this, I was a VP of engineering at a company called Condé Nast, um, which was a global role there. And I've been a longtime engineer. I started my career about 20 years ago. Yeah, similar to me, Crystal. Like we, we've seen it all, right? We've been through the individual right. contributor roles, we've done the management roles, like and everything. Oh, right. super interesting. Like, I didn't realize you had the, the three um, teams, like the cloud platform, SRE, and developer experience. Now, right. they at first glance are quite similar, but also quite different. So, how do you find managing, leading those teams? Is it different hats, different times? Yeah, it depends. Like, um, you know, I, I use a lot of um, inspiration from things like team topologies to kind of build out my organizations. I'm going to mention them really early because I, I love, <laughs> you got to, yeah. love them so much. And like, you know, I have, yeah, like they're yeah, just great. You know, we use Dev- DevOps topologies at my last company as well to build out the infrastructure part of that organization. And, you know, then they bo- wrote the book that team topologies thereafter. Um, uh, it's that yes, I was quoted in the book. <laughs> well, that's uh, so, awesome. So are, people, so are people from my team. I think we, because I ended up doing a, a talk, I think it was at QCon, and I ended up giving them a shout out. Oh, brilliant. And Manuel was in the audience, and he was. Oh, like, I remember that. I remember yeah, it. Like, yeah. it was amazing. He was like, he couldn't believe it, I think, because I was yeah. like, you know, this is a great, you know, thing that we use. Like, please, you know, I endorse this. Please use this when you're thinking about building teams. Um, because I think, like, as I've got more experience it's about the operating model it's like thinking mm. about it you know we talked about it a second ago socio-technical systems you have to think about like what, what is the market that the company operates in how mature is it um what, what is it trying to achieve in terms of business goals and technical goals um what should the makeup of those teams look like as well to serve the customers that could be internal and external for that matter yeah yeah and so for us like i'm in an interesting spot at, at sneak because it's been a fast-growing company but my group is one of the only groups that has to serve both external customers and internal customers. Oh, interesting, interesting. We build the deployment options for Sneak, which is single tenant, multi-tenant, and on-prem. And we also have to provide paved roads internally for ah, platform capabilities and observability capabilities as well. Um, and now our most recent team, developer experience, it only got going just over a month ago. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it's like our most recent team, and we're still trying to define its charter somewhat, um, but have a pretty good handle on that. Some of it is about decomposing some of the scope that was already in cloud platforms in terms of the platform that they've built and yeah. handing that off to developer experience, particularly around things like improvements around CICD. Nice. Um, and kind of we've the first thing that that team has done actually is build a Dora metrics. Um, ah, excellent. Yeah, it took a, a couple of weeks. They started off doing a hackathon basically on just building a Dora metrics dashboard, but that was a really cool way to kick off a team. And they had a lot of fun doing that, but it's had a lot of praise internally as well. 
And just for folks not, not familiar, Crystal, like Dora metrics is like, say, lead time, uh, delivery frequency, mean time to failure and resolution, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, Nicole Forsgren, all the Gene Kim, fantastic work with Accelerate as well. And, and you found the understanding those Dora metrics has really helped, I guess, get a level set of where the team's at and where you want to go. Exactly. Like from my point of view, the reason why we did it is that we're going under a, a decomposition of our monolith internally. So ah. still, still, Snake still has a monolithic architecture internally oh, interesting. Um, with some services that sit outside of that, but we want to go for a fully decomposed service-oriented architecture. I'm not going to say microservices necessarily <laughs> because everybody likes that buzzword, but that might be a next step that we take. It might not be. We just have to see where we go with it. But I think like for us to know how we're doing, we need to know what our current state is. Mm. And we need to know ultimately where do we want to be in terms of uh, performance and delivery metrics um, around our SDLC. And the only way we can do that is to have the visibility. Yeah. To kind of make those things visible. Like I feel like the data is latent. It's there, right? It's in GitHub. Yeah. It's in, um, it's in CircleCI. It's in Argo CD. It's in Kubernetes. Mm. And that's, that's I'm basically telling you part of our tech stack just by describing those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were able to then, you know, hook into a lot of those APIs and get the data that we needed out of them to actually visualize visualize those into graphs that teams can now understand and make decisions based off of. That is awesome. And I appreciate some of this might be sensitive, so feel free to say no, but was there any <laughs> amazing insight that jumped out straight away? Oh, for sure. Um, the, the, the most interesting thing for us was um, we know that we have a monolith and there's kind of this perceived gut feeling around like uh, how many times uh, builds fail versus succeed on that monolith. Yep. It fails more often than we would like. <laughs> that was one insight. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was a bit higher than we had first anticipated. Mm. I think the, yeah, actually there's one, I'll, I'll mention one more thing as well. Um, it also shows like uh, the kind of lead time, the way we track lead time is PR being open until the time that it's actually, um, you know, in the, in the front of the eyes of the customer. So for us, it's like, I think what we actually choose as the end metric is that our, the Argo sync has been successful. So gotcha. maybe it's a few milliseconds longer than that, whatever. Yeah. But actually being in front of the eyes of customers to be serving traffic, whatever. But that's close enough in terms of a proxy. Um, and we found that during that cycle time, um, PR review is where the, the longest ah. is. And so we like, it's again, like this insight, right? Like, mm-hmm. It generates insights. It doesn't necessarily give you answers, but at least lets you know where to focus on in, in terms of then, like, how should we look systemically? How should we be looking at fixing that as, you know, as engineering leaders uh, inside the company? But another interesting aspect was, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, you know, I had a pretty good vision for it. I was like, all right, okay, what I want to do here is like, because I've, you know, I've obviously read Accelerate a couple of times. Um, <laughs> and I think I've seen, you know, people like Nicole speak at a couple of conferences Same and that's kind of interesting. And, uh, I was like, let's let's overlay the. Um, they talk about like what's what the four indicators that make high performing teams, but they also um, put them into uh, kind of quartiles, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of low performing, kind of medium performing, high performing, elite performance as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, let's overlay those onto the top of the graph, <laughs> and then it just looks like we're like in the high to elite performance all the time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I was like, wait, hold on. Um, actually, maybe that's not the right thing to do as a six-year-old cloud-native company, right? We were mm. fully cloud-native from day one. And so yeah, CICD yeah. was just something we always did. And so like we deployed to production, you know, I don't know, between sort of 20 to 50 times a day at least. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. 
but then it's but then I was like but we know we want to be better <laughs> mm. but you know when you look at the Dora metrics and the way that they do this they 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 canvas the whole industry yes and so they're looking at companies that where their lead time is six months to a year <laughs> yeah I know yes <laughs> all the way yeah. back to, to teams that are do even more deployments per day than us right and so it's yeah. like it's kind of wasted in a particular way so we're like hmm Maybe what we need to do is create our own internal benchmarks of what we think nice. it looks like. So, yeah, that was a learning anyway. Uh, I kind of wanted to share was like, you can kind of sometimes be thinking this is the right thing to do. And we're like, yeah, maybe we should look at our own benchmarks. So, yeah. That is interesting. And you know, getting a handle on where you're at and where you aspire to be, because I've definitely chatted, you know, even in the podcast, right, to folks that are yeah. um, much more conservative in their tech stack. They've been around for 20 plus years, yeah. right? And yeah. for those folks, like the elite you know door metrics are like something to aspire to in like yeah, years yeah. time right but it's yeah. a really good point as in whatever motivates you in the team that's the important thing i guess yeah i think it's like it's not we one thing we absolutely don't want to do as part of this decomposition work is is lose velocity we know that it will be variable yeah. during the process it's going to be variable so there are certain metrics that we're tracking right now which, which i've pointed out and said i don't know how useful those are going to be right now Yep, yep. But they'll, they'll start to stabilize in four to six months time and then they're going to become more useful. There are things that we wanted to track right now that we want to know about, like, you know, are we starting to see that our velocity actually went down? Like that, that would be a pretty bad indicator. What we want to see is actually our velocity increases, mm. but actually the number of deploys because we have independent services that are more kind of isolated is that, and smaller is that we can actually release way more often. Yeah. makes sense. See that, that kind of trend upwards instead of um, kind of, stay stable or go down so that's what we're expecting to see so i guess also you have to think about what are you expecting to see and like not not just about like what what does good look like but what's the expected outcome of this i like that crystal i think too many times when i was a consultant and i'd go in and help platform builds there was really no vision like we're building a platform and i used to frequently get you know we want to be a competitor to aws and i was at the yeah. time yeah this is like five ten years ago and even then i was thinking that's a strange goal for a company that's not competing directly with AWS, right? But then the ones that, you know, I did chat to more at conferences because as a consultant, you only saw the bad stuff. But the folks I chat to at conferences, kind of like yourself, right? That they had a real clear idea of not only the vision, but the goals and the steps they were going to take to get there. Does that yeah. make sense? Sort of breaking it down. I think, is that something you're looking to do as well? So having almost like milestones, right? Yeah, I think like with building platforms, it's a long game. And so I do think like you have to have a lot of perseverance and also you have to realize that things happen on just different time horizons mm. in order to realize those outcomes. Like I do think like sometimes there's an expectation and you're just going to come in and you're going to see the results immediately. But yeah, I think like it, it takes a certain kind of <laughs> kind of person, <laughs> I guess, that wants to work in platforms as well. <laughs> yes. It's not like stream aligned teams, right? Because I've, I've worked in that area for plenty of the years that I was an engineer as well. And it kind of gets this constant kind of dopamine, dopamine yeah, yeah, yeah. Like making releases, you know, you know, at least a few times a week back in those days. Um, and then um, you're kind of getting that kind of good feeling from, you know, my, my things now in front of the eyes of the customer, whereas yeah, I love that. it takes longer. And so I do think like, <laughs> But you have to, like, you're right, like, you have to kind of know what does that two-year road look like, for instance, and then how do you, you, I always think you have to know what the end state looks like to kind of know what you're working backwards from. Oh, I like it. Current state and end state, and it's yeah. like, okay, this is what today looks like. This is what I want it to look like in two years. How are we going to get there? Like, practically, how are we going to get there? And some of it, you know, is stuff that, I think also you go into things knowing 
um, you know, if you're going to do something, but you know, you're going to have to replace it later. Like it's, it's kind of being more kind of mindful of like, yeah, sometimes we will have to build stuff and throw it away. Oh, gotcha. It, yep. It's a step in the right direction to where we need to go. Um, because I do think that often happens by accident rather than by, you know, something that's like done on purpose. But for us, like, yeah, it's something we've been doing at, at Sneak. Like when I first joined here, there wasn't an infrastructure team. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've only been here 18 months. Um, and then, so like before that, it was, uh, they had some DevOps-minded people, some information. Ah, classic. Yeah, sort of yeah. the real experts, right? Yeah, They're driving yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, but it was kind of done in a very organic way. And and sometimes like it lacked good uh, practices and principles around kind of, you know, cloud native kind of built infrastructure and platforms. And that's kind of what we've brought to bear over the last 18 months. We've we've managed to achieve like a kind of a minimum viable platform, I guess you would call oh, I love it. it. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Which we call Polaris internally. Um, okay. It's built on top of, uh, well, two clouds. So we, we have a multi-cloud um, kind of strategy at Sneak. We use GCP and AWS. And so we've, we've kind of built this so that it can support both. Nice. Um, so currently we have um, GCP supporting our multi-tenants and AWS is now driving our single tenant business. Oh, interesting. But yeah. So there might be a, a point of rationalization in the future where we move more to one or the other. Um, but for now, that's how it works. And it's this kind of abstraction that sits on top of it, fully IAC'd using lots of Terraform modules. Yep. Yes, yeah, <laughs> all the good principles, stuff that didn't exist before, but also beyond just like um, infrastructure as code, just like also like just, you know, we built out a reference architecture in advance. And here's our reference oh, architecture. Um, this is what we think our reference architecture should be. And there were lots of aspects of that. And we said, let's build against that. But like, that's this- for the platform, Crystal, or for the apps. Platform. For the platform, for this Polaris platform. So we built out a reference architecture. And so this is what a good platform um, would look like. And these are the kind of principles that we wanted to kind of codify as well against each one of these aspects. And we kind of built against that over about eight months and then kind of said, okay, now we're going to get all the teams to start migrating their apps and workloads to it. And we started launching some single tenant customers now as well. Brilliant. Oh, no, there's a couple of things to jump to there, Crystal, which I think is super interesting. And I definitely think folks would like to get your insight on. It is the two things about it. It's, it's the people, right? People is always the hardest bit in this yeah, kind yeah. of game. Sure. Uh, and I was kind of curious, how did you bring the DevOps-minded people along? Because they're obviously freelancing, doing their thing, yeah. very well respected. You're suddenly coming in, standardizing, right? How do you yeah, bring yeah. them along? And then kind of as a secondary or corollary to that is how do you then work with the rest of the organization to, sure. to you know, upsell the platform right <laughs> i'm kind yeah. of curious like that i find is really hard it is hard actually um and again like it's 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 about like i said having perseverance because you're going to have a mixed audience of people right um you'll have people who are, are kind of zealots yeah people who don't really care in the middle that's the bulk of the people and then you have people who are detractors who just yeah kind of hate what you're doing yep um, and that, that goes for anywhere you work, right? So yes. um, <laughs> yeah. it's like a human nature thing. And I think like when we come in and we try to introduce things like this, what we're, what we're basically telling co- the company is we're, we're about to introduce huge amounts of culture change here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it's, like, it's not just about like new tech, it's new, new patterns. That's new a really patterns. good point. And so for us, it was like, how should we um, do deployments? And what's the kind of GitOps correct way of, of doing this, especially when we have what we're looking at a future of not having one production environment, but many, many, many production environments. And how do we kind of do kind of uh, rolling deployments, canary deployments? Like uh, how do we deploy these things in groups and to different regions and all of that stuff has to come. 
Um, so, cause it's going to be like a, a global kind of arch, uh, kind of infrastructure footprint. Um, and we're, you know, going to start building our uh, multi-tenant EU region next month. Nice. So that'll be our second kind of multi-tenant kind of region. And so it's like, it's not just about how many instances, but where it runs as well. Um, and then there's mixed cloud. So there's a lot of things to think about there, but also it's just about like, how do you codify those good practices into a platform mm-hmm. as well? And for me, it's about, there's a, it's a few things. Like I think there's the, the tech aspect is, is like where maybe I would start a little bit. Like it's about creating a platform that, that does the job and gets out of your way, essentially. Yep. Like yep. you don't really want it to feel like a barrier. So you need to enable those, what I call paved paths, paved yeah, roads. Love it. Um, and that's what we try to do. But like, how do you do that? It's not just like, hey, we're going to build some tech and the people will come. No, not at all. Actually, what you've got to do is you've got to get out there and advocate for it. you got to mm-hmm. get your early adopters on side and get those adopters to advocate for you. That's almost yes. more powerful than getting the platform to te- team to advocate for itself. It's like, so what we did is we would get those people to go into our R&D wide demos and say, hey, we just moved to Polaris and it's amazing. And <laughs> here's how we did it. And hey, you can follow their great playbook over here and you can get oh, it. Playbooks. Yeah, you can get it done in a couple of hours and it's it's really easy. <laughs> um, I mean, clearly the, the platform itself was built really fast. Like you don't normally hear of a team building a platform in six to eight months. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so there's still some things to do and there's still like, we're looking already at our reference architecture V2 and like, what are the gaps oh. that are still missing? But also like trying to, you know, you know, uh, what are we spending our time on this quarter? Like a lot of things around documentation. Ah, important, right? Mm. Yeah, like super important for adoption, right? Like the, the the documentation needs to be really slick and really easy to work with, but it's also about automation goals too. And so for us, like we spend a heavy investment upfront on in automation, mm. but we still have we still know that we have a, a, a kind of a distance to go there. And I think that we're, we're trying to capture as much of that in in Q two and Q three, because the further we can get to the automation goals, I think the better because my kind of vision for this is, is that it's turnkey. Yeah, somebody, makes sense. somebody needs a new instance for whatever reason, they can literally go into a UI and push a button. Self-service. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Self-service. It's up, it's up and running for them in 45 minutes. I don't, honestly, there'll be a lot of use cases that will be there. It'll be like, I need a, you know, I need a, an instance to run as a POC for a customer because they want to try it out. It could be that I want a yep. playground environment. It could be that I need an actual production environment. I need a dev environment. I want a chaos engineering environment. There's a lot of like reasons why. And so we want to get to that, but you, the only way you can really truly get there is through those automation goals as well. And so we're trying to push for that so that it's not like, hey, there's um, still stuff that isn't fully automated, say in the application layer itself, where there's a lot of kind of dependency mapping to do with lots of teams. Ah, uh, makes sense, Christopher. So what I'm hearing you say, sort of going back to the SRE principles, is yeah. it's not kind of toil, right? It's the, it's the gluing things together. Whereas like, Probably me yeah, and you as, exactly. as engineers that are like like fiddling around, the toil can be quite fun exactly. at, at start with, yeah, right? Yeah. But definitely for after a while the toil gets you know, boring. And particularly folks who are, you know, later adopters, they're like, I don't want that toil. Just give me exactly. the turnkey, right? Give me the, the, the solutions. I'm guessing that's uh, uh and just trying to make it, yeah, trying to make the interface to your platform really easy, right? So this mm. is something I bang on about a lot with my own teams. It's like <laughs> You know, we talk, and I said, like, who knows in the future? Like, maybe the interface into a platform isn't a Helm chart anymore. Mm. I don't know if that's what it's going to be. Um, but right now, we're asking them to have three YAML files. Mm-hmm. It already feels like too much. And I said, we, <laughs> yeah. We need to like compress that down into one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, but also, it's like, that's what you want, really. It's like, that's, that to me is like, you know, you pass in a handful of configuration and the thing does the thing. <laughs> it's oh, like, 100%. you know, bootstraps it up and there's your running instance. Ta da. And yeah, it feels like magic, but like, 
our future sneak, right? Like we have, you know, when I started 18 months ago, we had a hundred engineers. Now we have 350. Wow. Yeah. That's a grow growth rate, isn't it? Yeah. And in two years, we're going to have a thousand probably. And we'll probably mm. have a hundred production mm. environments at least. And yeah, it's yeah. like, so we need to be thinking about that future right now. And like, how do we build a platform that will support that as we go? Like oh. how it supports us now, but also how it supports us then as well. And what about the education piece, Crystal? Because I heard you mentioned about, you know, doing the R&D sessions, bringing folks along. Education um, is a piece of it as well. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned documentation, right? So have you, like, sort of started that journey already on, on like, providing, say, tutorials for folks or boot camps yeah. or all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so we have written a ton of documentation as we go. Mm. So it's part of the acceptance criteria on anything we do. Um, Great idea. It has to be. And, like, mm. this is also, like, my kind of reason for also having teams like SRE and developer experience to kind of, kind of uh, be that inwardly facing team into the R&D organization to kind of yep. listen to them, bring that feedback in as a quick loop or kind of, you know, yeah, help, very helping very bring nice. down toil, developer pain, or even just finding really interesting cases where we can actually bring joy to using our platform, much less no pain, but actually make <laughs> it a joyful experience, right? Because yeah. you don't want it to be like, eh, it's all right. But, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely when like, a, you know, you get kind of joy out of using something. And, and I think that's what we, what we want to aim for. But like we started like moving, it. yeah, we started moving all of our documentation into backstage. So ah, popular. Yes, exactly. So we're using a, a hosted version on SaaS from a company called Roadie. And I bumped into them. Good folks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're amazing. Like, yeah, I totally recommend them. They're, they're great to work with and it's, it's super like responsive and helpful and yeah, just able to do lots of uh, sort of helpful stuff for us. We've moved all of our documentation there and this is kind of what we're trying to use as a developer portal kind of ecosystem. Ah, gotcha. Kind of trying to add more, more to that. So that's one of the developer experience team's first kind of set of goals is actually um, kind of just working on backstage and kind of bringing that developer portal to life and kind of adding more kind of capability into it as well and integrations for the rest of the organization. But yeah, there's like, there's that, um, but then there's education, which is quite a different thing. So we have done quite a few training sessions. Um, nice. And most recently I, yeah, I said to our R and D org, I said to them on Slack, I was like, Hey, we're, we're about to do another round of uh, onboarding sessions because we've got some new starters. And I said, normally, you know, I just tell a few folks that I know that are infra kind of friendly if they want to join. I said, but hey, we're we're willing to kind of open this out. And it was like a response from about 50 people mm. saying, yeah, we'd quite like this this kind of onboarding. And I was thinking, wow, that was way more popular. Mm. <laughs> so now we're having a think about like Q2 goal again. It's like, how do we build a proper onboarding um, kind of, uh, sessions around this so that we can kind of get folks up to speed on our platform because we're hiring all the time yeah of course of course. people will be coming in who don't have any experience of it but i said like you know the thing that kind of caught my attention was like it, it was pretty mixed the response it was half people that had already worked here yeah and new people mm. so i said like clearly there's still an appetite even to kind of capture the audience that, are, that has already been here and did that migration to polaris earlier this year so, yeah, so I do think like you have to do a lot of that training, but also we're doing things like video tutorials. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Right, you have to, yeah, it has to. Yeah, like, self-service again, right? Exactly. And also you have to, different people learn in different ways. They engage. Yes, in life. totally. But again, it's like, it's also about trying to constantly be in touch with the engineers to kind of reduce the barrier to entry. Like just make it as easy as possible. They can get to grips with it as soon as possible. And that's where developer experience is really going to help us. It's neat. So. 
Yeah. Really good, Chris. I know we're getting close to time here. I just want to pick your brains finally on how do you balance the standardization? Because you've already mentioned like, you know, Helm charts, for example. I bumped into a few folks yeah. that you know, have to kind of suck it up. We've got to use Helm charts. Some yeah. folks just expose the values.yaml file, for example, right? right? And other folks hide it behind a UI. I think like Shopify kind of hide some of that stuff behind a UI. But you know, as a developer, I like to learn standards because that's portable across jobs and, you know, just industry and stuff, right? But I also like the comfort sometimes of just like clicking a button in the UI. So how do you as a leader balance the standards, I guess, that you choose to implement and expose? Yeah, I mean, I don't see them as an either or choice, maybe. Um, for me, it's about like, when when engineers want to get their hands dirty with a platform, why why shouldn't they be allowed to? Mm, like for cool. instance, right now we're saying to like we you know we have a finite number of engineers in my group, and we had to build a platform really quickly, and we needed to get all the teams migrated over to it so we could launch our first single tenant customers. And you know as part of that migration, there was one team that needed a document DB resource in AWS, and we're like, well, we don't really have the capacity to do that. <laughs> But here's a playbook that you could follow. And we would like to, we want to encourage an ecosystem of components. We don't want to build all of an infra because otherwise we become the bottleneck. Good point. And the guy had infra skills and he did it. And then he mm. went and advocated for us in a follow-up kind of R&D monthly kind of conversation. Said like, hey, I followed their playbooks. And, you know, it really wasn't that hard. He said, I barely, cool. he's like, I barely even needed to talk to them. <laughs> build this whole Terraform, Terraform module myself and add it to Polaris, the, the platform. And I was like, this is amazing. So that's the kind of thing we want to encourage is like get your hands dirty where you're comfortable. But yeah. I also think like, it's not about like nobody ever needs to see Helm or YAML again. <laughs> um, because most engineers can get on okay with that. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think when you have like a thousand engineers, I'm asking myself, is it reasonable anymore to, yeah. to constantly be exposed to, Ham, uh, to YAM, uh, YAML and Helm and and know that uh, the engineers are always going to know what they're they're meant to be doing, and and um, that we have the right linting and you know, error mm, in place. Mm. We're not making mistakes because you could that could be you know a counter argument is that you just need stronger linting and kind of um, kind of uh, error checking and testing of these things just to make sure that you're not introducing bugs. Um, but I also think like you know why not behind a UI as well? Um, yeah, yeah. Engineer can get they can do what, whatever they want, and this is kind of like where I see other platforms like um, Heroku going as well. Yeah. You know, when I worked at the BBC many years ago, this was very much in line with the kind of a paths that we built there too. Oh, interesting. If you want to get your hands dirty, you can, but most engineers just choose the UI and it, you know, built stacks for them and it would show them, you know, a, a console of kind of the, the stack traces it's doing builds and various stuff like that. But like the result behind a UI. Um, so they didn't really have to get their hands dirty unless they wanted to. Um, yeah, they could promote artifacts between different environments through ah, that. Mm -hmm. But that was it. Yeah. And so I, I think like, yeah, I'm asking myself when you have that many engineers at a company, uh, yeah. is there an inflection point where you think, hmm, mm. not sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know the answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, within my own team, we debate it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's kind of healthy, right? Yeah, yeah, like there's some engineers that are like, I don't know, it's fine, Helm's fine. We'll always expose Helm. Helm will always be our API. And I'm like, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think there's still space for just yeah, putting a UI on top of it. Why not? So so I say why not both? Oh, I think that's a perfect point to end, uh, Crystal. Like, so much wisdom been shared. Thank you so, so much. If folks want to get in touch with you and they liked what they've uh, heard today, LinkedIn, Twitter, where's the best way to reach out to you? I'm on Twitter. Um, so my handle is uh, CF Hershorn. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can look me up. My my last name is, uh, yeah, uh, kind of complicated. Uh, 
<laughs> but also I'm unique, on the... right? Unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just yeah. So I don't know if, if people will know how to spell that just after me saying it. But um, yeah, I'll I'm definitely on... put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah, put it in there. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm fine to be contacted on LinkedIn, but I'm on Twitter much more often. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all that great knowledge, Crystal. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's been great to to be on the show today, and thank you for having me, Daniel. <laughs>